Welcome to episode 183 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patsy the Angry Nerd, and uh, we are broadcasting here from Magenta Manor, deep within the bowels, the subterranean caverns of Magenta Manor. We are here in the Pat Cave. And of course, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee because we are a part of the Dorkening Network. And I am not here all alone. I am not here on my own. I am here with my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine, the queen of the monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Von Nightmare. Happy Garbage Day, everyone. Garbage Day! I, even that was like over the top for what that was. <laughs> But well, what's really funny is because when everybody, whenever somebody says that, it's always an exaggerated version of what actually happens in the film. Which itself is exaggerated. Right. But uh, as you can tell, because we are in the Christmas spirit, we're going to be talking about uh, axe-murdering Santa Clauses. Because it's Christmas and we're drinking spirits. Ha-ha! Christmas been, spirits. We, we have been visited by three spirits, and uh, I don't think we're going to like the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Uh, but yes, we today are going to be discussing uh, Billy from uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. The first one, just the first one, uh, not the second one, because that's not the same character. So we are going to be getting into some spoilers for this 35-year-old film. But uh, we, uh, before we get into that, we have to do our getting into character segment. And uh, Ashes, you have an interesting getting into character segment for us this week. So because it's Christmas and we're talking about Christmas and Christmassy stuff and people who dress up as Christmassy things, we want to know... What are some of your favorite portrayals of Santa Claus? Well, for me, um, mine actually came out the year after this. And I'm going to go with David Huddleston in 1985's Year Without a Santa Claus. Now, if you are uh, unfamiliar with David Huddleston, I'm sorry, not you. Why did I say Year Without a Santa Claus? It's Santa Claus the movie. I'm sorry. Uh, wow, I was totally off on that. Uh, David Huddleston. You have some more whiskey. I know, I should have some more whiskey. <laughs> I stopped drinking like half an hour ago. Uh, he was in Frantic. He was in The Producers. He was in Blazing Saddles. He played Olsen Johnson. He was in The Big Lebowski as The Big Lebowski. Obviously not Jeff Bridges, but he was the actual Big Lebowski. And he was Santa Claus. And I loved this movie because I saw it in the theater with my mom when I was very young. And it has Burgess Meredith, who I recognized from Rocky. Uh, it also has John Lithgow and Dudley Moore as a very inventive and creative elf. Uh, he is one of my uh, favorite um, portrayals of Santa Claus on the big screen because it, you know, it's uh, very sentimental to me. And it's not Year Without a Santa Claus. It's Santa Claus the movie. And uh, as an honorable mention, I'm going to go with uh, when Dan Aykroyd dresses up as Santa in Trading Places and stuffs the salmon down his pants. That's one of my favorite parts. And Is when, that what you want for Christmas? Do you want salmon britches want, for Christmas? I want salmon pants. Yes. And I just don't want to be near any bears when it happens. Because bears love salmon. Yeah. That A baby sounds salmon unbearable. Is, it does. It does. It is unbearable. It really uh, clawed that one out of me. Uh, that didn't work as well. Insert fish pun here. Fish pun. It's like on the uh, on the Futurama episode where everybody's salmon, and like you're expecting the joke, 
because uh, a baby salmon is called a fry. And, of course, they have Philip J. Fry, so they're like, oh, what's your name? He's like, I don't have a name. I'm a salmon. <laughs> Which is even funnier than him saying fry. I just thought that was funny. It's a nice uh, nice uh, salmon joke for you. To, uh, are there really any nice salmon jokes, though? I think what like, you're asking, are there... That's a nice salmon joke. Are like, any, are there? No, are there, there aren't. bad salmon jokes? There's, there's, no there's a lot of jokes. bad salmon jokes. Name one. Tell, tell me a bad salmon joke right now. What did the salmon say to the other salmon? What? Hi. That's You, <laughs> you can't just make something. Like, oh, there's tons of them. Yeah, what did, uh, I'm just making this up. No. I just gave you a good one. You can't just make some shit up. I don't know. That doesn't work. Do what me. I want. All right. So what are your favorite portrayals of uh, Satan Claus? So I have a couple. The first one being Santa from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I thought that was a really fun Eat, portrayal. Papa, eat. Yes, for that specific. And it's funny because that's what we used to tell our dad around Christmas time when he would be eating. We thought it would be funny to be like, eat, Papa, eat. No one likes a skinny Santa. But I just thought it was kind of cute to kind of see Santa like that. You see Santa in the off season. He's a little trimmer, Just a little thinner. Fat rails of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe you watched a different one than I did. Uh, I might have been watching Scarface. You 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 might have. Might I mean both both show. films have snow. Just different types. Can I just say something about uh, Rudolph like that film for for one second? The Island of well, Misfit Toys. Even if I, if I said no, you're still going to say it. So right. well, I'm trying why to, are you asking I'm permission? Trying to, I'm trying to sound polite. <laughs> so the Island of Misfit Toys, one of the things was like, what about a squirt gun that shoots jelly? Like, that's not the gun's fault. Fill it up with water. It only shoots jelly if you fill it up with jelly. If you filled it with mustard, it would Maybe shoot mustard. Maybe it only shoots something that's the consistency of jelly. Then you could fill it up with We're mustard. We're all misfits. The Island of no Dipshit Toys. No one wants to play with a Charlie in the box. No one wants to play with a Charlie in the box. Uh, so anyways... We're a locomotive with square wheels. We're all misfits. How about a cowboy that rides an ostrich? Uh, so anyways, I just think that's a really fun version of Santa to kind of see him go through his little Santa stuff and the building of the toys and a, a seasonal Santa, a Santa for all seasons, if you will. I don't want to um, make toys. I want to be a proctologist. <laughs> so my second Santa is actually the year without a Santa Claus. And I mean that one. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I because mean when it. I said that, you were you got like this. I you like was, gave up on life. You just threw your arms up in the air like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And it's like, that's not even what I meant to say. I The year without a Santa Claus is one of my favorite Christmas bits. Partially, actually, no, not partially, mainly due to the whole heat miser, snow miser uh, shtick that happens. The rap I think battle that, that they have to the death. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's, uh, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, Mother Nature, Mother Deer. Um, but I think that Santa is a really cool version of Santa because even Santa needs a break. Even Santa needs a day off. And it shows you he the importance. He gets 364 days off. But he works every day because even though he's not flying around bringing you toys he's making the toys he's making his list he's he checking them twice toys. and you know how many people are in the world like that's a lot of names well that's a least. lot of lists to check like it's a lot it's a lot like santa santa has a really big job but he has the internet there's a lot now. of cookies 
to eat. Yeah, but it doesn't make it He doesn't any... even eat them. He just takes a bite out of them and then takes a little sip of the milk and then leaves. Maybe at your house. Yeah, that's how it works. Take one bite and then go. Santa's going to have diabetes. He already does, but he manages it. He manages it well. But anyways... I've always liked that version because it shows the importance of taking a break and self-care and letting people know, you know, when you do need to take a break and that it's okay. It's okay to say, hey, I need, I, I, I need some time off. I need to deal with some stuff. I've got some things going on. Um, you know, and even Santa, who's this, you know, holly jolly type, gets sad. Well, it's true. Everyone does... Uh you know, kind of like nobody's nobody's perfect, and it's just it's a nobody's it's a perfect. it's a refreshing version of Santa. And my third favorite version of Santa is when Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas decides to become Santa. Yeah, I wanted to add another uh, another one in the uh, robot Santa from Futurama, whose standards are set too high, so he invariably judges everyone to be naughty and then uh, tries to murder them. And is uh, he's got a, a palace on uh, Neptune. And it's awesome. And it's voiced by John Goodman. I, I, it sounds like John Goodman, but I really think it might be John DiMaggio on no. some of them. Well, it might be on, but on one episode, I think the main. I think the first time Robot Santa, yeah. it's it's John Goodman. Yeah, I, I, that's what I've seen. I never actually looked it up because it just sounds I did. like John Goodman. I did, and it said John Goodman, Robot Santa, for one episode. John Goodman, as opposed so, to John Badman. Who isn't quite as good? He's not an actor. He's a plumber. That's true. Plumbers but any can be actors and actors can be plumbers. But anyways, we want to hear from you guys. What are some of your favorite portrayals of Santa Claus? Do you have any specific films featuring Santa that you enjoy? Let us know. Hit us up on the uh, social media stuff. Yeah, because we want to know about some of your your stuff. I mean, obviously, there's... <laughs> That's what I just said. Yeah. I, we want to know about some of your you. stuff. I'm agreeing with you. We yes. want to know about your stuff and your things. And, and there's a lot of a lot of various uh, incarnations of Santa Claus throughout the years. So... Uh, and we're going to talk about one of them after the break. That's right. Because we're going to be discussing 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night, which I just watched for the first time the other day in preparation for this. So I'm very excited to talk about it and why it's everyone's fault except mine. So. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Yes, it's everybody else's fault. So uh, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we will discuss uh, Billy from... Uh, The Year with a Murderous Santa Claus. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hey there, this is JB. 
And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. are back that was actually the trailer for uh, the movie whose character we are discussing today silent night deadly night you survived halloween but will you make it through christmas no i will not because christmas is the worst oh christmas it, it's it's so stressful what did like, Jesus ever do for Santa on his birthday? Right? But anyways, so this was your first time viewing Silent Night, Deadly Night. It was. What did you think of the film as a whole? I thought it was a uh, typical 80s film. There was a lot of boobs. Um, Gratuitous. Yes, a lot of that. Um, Linnea Quigley uh, died a very interesting death. Typical 80s horror film. Again, running around with their boobs flapping every which way. Typical 80s horror film. Because that's, <laughs> that's you know, a, again, 80s horror and Linnea Quigley's, you know, seem to have been pigeonholed in a lot of those roles where she would run around with her boobs flapping every which way while she uh, tries not to get murdered or indeed does get murdered. But, but she also has a really nice rack. That's, uh, that's, that's true. Um... But yeah, it's uh, I I enjoyed it, but it's uh again when we talked about our slashers a couple months back, this is another one of those um, instances where the it's not the slasher's fault. Like he watched Santa Claus after his grandfather tells him, like if you meet Santa Claus tonight, boy, you better run for your life. But this is after the. The grandfather is supposedly like catatonic and no one, you know, he hasn't spoken in months. 
But, like, he pulls Billy aside to be like, oh, Santa Claus is going to murder you if you've been naughty. Yeah, like, the grandfather is is either senile or, you know, has dementia, something. I think he's faking it. Yeah, I mean, obviously the scene kind of leads you to believe that. And we meet Billy. He's on this really long car ride. It's Christmas Eve. He's going to visit his grandfather in the nursing home that his grandfather is currently residing in. Several hours away. Yep. So it's like I said, it's a really long car ride. Uh, like many kids on Christmas, he's kind of antsy. He just wants to get home because, you know, is Santa going to, you know, know where he is? What like if, if he's not, not home? home, right? Like is Santa going to leave my presents? Like what's going on? But, uh, his parents leave Billy for a moment alone with the grandfather in this nursing home setting. And that is the time that the grandfather opens up. He moves like he doesn't move at all. In he just that sits scene. in the wheelchair staring straight ahead. Right. But he, he grabs Billy. He pulls him aside and tells him all about how, you know, if you're naughty, Santa's not going to come. Santa's going to punish you. Right. Santa's going to punish you if you're naughty. And Billy's like, well, I'm not, I'm not naughty. I'm a good boy. Like I do good things and stuff. And it really terrifies him. And you see that in this little child actor, like his, his eyes widen. He's just like, yeah, he does. Um, you know, five year old Billy is, is just, he's very upset and afraid of what his grandfather is telling him. And then to the point that he doesn't want Santa to come. Right. Yeah. He's absolutely terrified of the fact that Santa exists and Santa Claus is coming to his house, which, you know, moments before in the car, he was asking about Santa and, you know, excited for Santa to come. So his parents kind of want to, you know, they're they're not sure as to why all of a sudden Billy doesn't want Santa to come. And he he says, says, yeah, he says grandpa. And, you know, his parents are just kind of like, well, well, I don't know. He's got an active imagination, like, that one. This right. guy's catatonic. Like, he hasn't said or done any or anything or moved in months. So, but they're like, why would he make it up? But clearly, Billy has flipped the switch on Santa, like, right quick. Like, he went from, you know, oh, Santa's great, Santa's great. And, like, this old man tells him, Santa Claus is going to get you, boy. But, I mean, like, he's, excuse me, he's five years old. He's impressionable. Like... You know, somebody tells you something at five years old, even if you're all gung ho about it. You know, they tell you one bad thing and, you know, you might change your mind about it, too. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it would take more than, you know, some old man that's creepy. I think it's more that he was scared by his grandfather than what the grandfather said. I think that's what it was, because I don't think he's just going to suddenly change. I think it's he believed that the grandfather believed what he was saying. Well, I mean, in flash forward to them driving home, it's dark out. The two kids, they have two boys. So Billy and his younger brother, Ricky, are Ricky! Asleep, asleep in the back seat of the car. Uh, his parents see someone on the side of the road in a Santa suit. It appears that the car has been broken down. Santa's trying to flag them down to get them to stop. And they go to stop. And Billy kind of freaks out a little bit. Like, don't stop for Santa. Don't, no, no not Santa. Like, you know, don't, don't talk to because Santa. what we know is that this Santa already killed a convenience store clerk for $31 and then drove away. Right, but they don't know this. They right. just think it's somebody who needs help broken down on the side of the road. Billy doesn't know that Santa is this crazed 
you know, convenience store murderer. He just sees him as Santa. And, you know, given what his grandfather has told him, he just wants no part of that. And then what happens is Santa so graciously and wonderfully decides to kill Billy's parents. Pulls out a gun. Right in front of him. Yeah. He pulls out a gun. Billy's dad, you know, throws the car in reverse, tries to get away. He gets killed. The car gets jammed into a ravine. And uh, Billy crawls out. He goes in. Grabs Billy's mom, throws her on the ground, rips her shirt off, you know, and, you know, Billy's watching and then she's trying to fight back and she slaps Santa and Santa gets mad. Like, how dare you interrupt my rape and murder fest? And he slices her throat. You know, Billy watching this and Santa's like, I'm going to get you, you little bastard. You know, and And meanwhile, Ricky, the baby, is in the back seat you know, Billy's out hiding in these this, this tall grass, watching all of this happen, and we see Santa then turn and look for for Billy, wondering where the hell you know the little bastard went. And and Santa never gets brought to justice because no one ever believed Billy. Apparently, because we suddenly just flash forward five years, and Billy and Ricky are in an orphanage. Not even five years; it's three years. Oh, so he's eight now. Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that makes see... sense because it's a ten-year time jump after. Yeah. Right. So we see eight-year-old Billy. Uh, him and his brother Ricky are in this orphanage that is run by Catholic nuns. It's very strict, and uh, it's Christmas time, and they're making pictures for Santa. And Billy gets called out because his Santa, uh, picture of Santa is a little inappropriate. Yeah, he's murdering a, a, a reindeer and the mother superior is like, oh, we'll have none of that. Oh, my God. You go down and tell the mother superior what you've done. You'll explain to her why you don't love Jesus and you don't love Christmas. And he's like, okay. So he goes down there and like they send him away and... Like, one of the other, no, I was almost going to call her a nurse, one of the other nuns is like, you know, uh, he watched a guy dressed as Santa murder his family. Like, you know, you think that might, you know, he always gets worse around Christmas. Like, there's some, maybe there's a correlation here. And then that mother superior is like, oh, balderdash, it doesn't matter. They're just, you know, he's just a child. I'll, I'll whip him with my belt until he sees reason, you know. But right, she hands out punishment. And my first time, I, I'm, I'm watching this thinking, why the fuck doesn't anyone get this child some goddamn therapy? Well, they're just, they're just praying the, 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 um, the trauma away. That's, that's how it works. But it's like clearly Church. this child, this precious eight-year-old no, child. No, this child just hasn't accepted Jesus. This child has some psychological issues that need to be dealt with. By Jesus. Not by and therapy or listening to him. It's all Jesus. This child has undergone some intense trauma, both him and his brother. And while his brother isn't exhibiting all of these these symptoms and whatnot, because his brother was a baby at the time. Yeah, he was maybe a year old. You know, it's 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 not affecting him the same way that it's affecting Billy, because Billy was, you know, uh, old enough to be cognizant of everything, that you know, taking in everything that had happened. So, you know, they just kind of brush it under the rug and just say, you know, you're being naughty, you need to be punished and not addressing the real issue, which is his mental health state. And honestly, if they had done that, we wouldn't have the film that we have. Right, because then he gets he gets sent to his room until the mother superior says it's okay. And the other nun who was like, maybe we should like talk to him and help him. You know, instead of just whipping him and sending him to his room, 
is like, you know, she she goes up to him. She goes, oh, Billy, you can you can come out of your room. You can go do this or that. And of course, he comes out of his room and he finds one of the nuns getting railed by, you know, some random dude. And you know, he's looking through a keyhole and like what he's seeing is like triggering flashbacks to what he saw when his mother died. And the mother superior is like, oh, get out of here. And she goes in, starts whipping the shit out of the people that are having sex. And then she sees Billy. She's like, oh, you know, do you know what they were doing? He's like, no. She goes, good, because what they were doing is naughty. Also, you shouldn't be out of your room. So now I'm going to bend you over and whip you with my belt. And even though the other nun's like, I told him he could come out of his room. She's like, don't give a shit. Gonna beat the kid anyways. Which really upset me that the nun lives through the entire movie. Because, if anything, she should have been the first to go. But that that's what kind of made me mad about this. I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but that shouldn't have happened. So, this whole thing, like, if they had just treated him normally... The thing I don't like, though, is that they keep these big, like, uh, gaps of time jumps. Because we see him, like... He doesn't like Christmas. Santa Claus freaks him out. So the nun's like, oh, instead of, you know, like, oh, what would Jesus do? Oh, force him to sit on Santa's lap. That's that sounds like a good plan. He's like, no, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. She's like, you're going to fucking do it. And you're going to thank Santa for the presents that you got. And it's like, this guy didn't bring me presents. Like, I'm an orphan. They were donated, like, you know, I got a book of carpet samples for Christmas. Like, they were they were donated by the bus station Lost and Found. Like, that's where my Christmas came from. This guy didn't do it. And he's obviously clearly traumatized, and the other nun's telling him, like, you got to stop this. Look at how he's reacting. Leave him alone. Let him go and cool off. And she's like, nope. She picks him up, forces him onto Santa's lap. He fucking knocks that dude out. Yeah, little Billy has quite the left hook punched him right in the face and then she's like oh that's it you're being naughty again it's like bitch like everyone's telling you not to do this and you're just like nope i'm gonna do it so if anyone is responsible for all those murders it's the nun she's going straight to hell yeah mother superior well like mother inferior yeah oh snap take that i'll have none of that that's right She's got some bad habits, that nun. Oh. So now we see, 10 years later, Billy's 18, and the nun's trying to get him a job. Right, because typically when you're 18 years old, you're no longer, you know, uh, allowed. Right, you're no longer allowed to take up occupancy at the orphanage. They let you out on your own. So then the good nun, the nun that is on Billy's side, is trying to find him a job. To, you know, give him some stability and whatnot. And she finds him the perfect job, insert sarcasm here, at a fucking toy store. Yes. And uh, right around Christmas, because the guy's like, well, I can't have kids here. And, like, they show Billy, like, this big, muscular 18-year-old kid. You know, like, one of the co- one of his coworkers offers him whiskey. And he's like, no, I'm drinking milk. Like, he doesn't say that, but he just holds up his little carton of milk. And I just want to say a little uh, sidetrack here. There were so many things that I was like, oh, my God, I wish that toy was still around. Like Jabba's Palace, you know, the Stormtroopers and Doobat, like all these little Star Wars sets. The fucking Castle Grayskull set is in the scene where they're having the office Christmas party and everybody's just like chugging booze, like just getting hammered. As one does at an office Christmas party. Well, someone... 
So, and the, the, the boss is like, yeah, it's 7 o'clock, let's get shit-faced. Like, it's like, all right, dude. And, of course, they find Billy the uh, the perfect job because uh, they have him dress as Santa, which is awesome. And, like, you know, every little kid that comes and sit on his, sits on his lap, he absolutely fucking terrifies. He's like, if you've been naughty, I'm going to come to your house and eat your family and... Make and all the moms watch. are sitting there because all their kids oh, are like so, crying and stuff. And then so when they leave him, kid. they're they're scared to death, so they stop crying. And all the parents see or or their kids, you know, him. They think he's consoling their kids and making them stop crying. So they're like, "Oh, he's so good with the children." Oh, look how good he is with these kids. Oh, he's the best. Let's take him home. And but he, what I don't understand is he flat out says he's like, "I don't want to be Santa." Like he he resists it, and they're like, "No, no, it's fine. You're gonna be." Santa, so he does it. Because the it's, guy who was supposed to play Santa broke his ankle ice skating. Right. Yeah, and they couldn't get anyone from the temp agency who wasn't a woman, and there's no other guy at the store, even though there's two, the store owner and the other dickbag from the back, who's like, I see you slacking off all the time, Billy, as he's chugging his J&B. He's like, oh, I see you slacking off, and I'm going to tell Mr. whatever the fuck his name is, Ritzy Fitzy, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't think. I don't. I don't have it written down. But he's just like I'm going to tell that guy, and he's gonna. He's gonna. You know, he's gonna show you, and you're gonna lose your job, and you won't get to be Santa. And it's just. It was. It was kind of. Uh, I'm glad he's dead. We'll put it that way, because all of a sudden, all this stuff starts uh, at the Christmas party starts triggering him. Right. And so not he's o- fucking hammered. He's 18 and they've been feeding him shots of whiskey. And I don't think he's really had anything to drink up until that point. He's li- he's lived in the under the like they won't give him therapy. I'm re- I'm pretty sure he hasn't been able to get booze maybe like during communion. Um but anyways, you know, we see him before at the toy store being sweet. He's very sweet on this one girl in particular. Uh, you know, he dresses up as Santa, does the whole thing with the kids. He's now at the Christmas party. He's hammered. Everybody's fucking shammered at this point. They're having themselves a holly jolly Christmas. And he goes, it will, he hears something. So he goes in the back. Well, because he look he looks over and sees the scumbag guy like hitting on the girl, and he's like, "Hey, why don't you come back here with me? I want to show you my ding dong." And she's like, "Oh, you? Of course, I'll come back with you." And that upsets Billy because he kind of liked this girl, and you know, Billy's innocent; he doesn't know. Again, you know, they probably they flog him for you know having traumatic experiences, so they certainly don't encourage masturbation. Oh, you know what you're doing? You're playing. You're, you're calling the. You're shooting craps with the devil. That's what you're doing. You're gonna go straight to hell. So, um, yeah. So they. Uh, Why do all of your nuns have like a really horrible Irish accent? Well, it's, it's a stereotypical Irish Catholic nun whipping the kids. You know, okay. whacking them with rulers. Oh, if you don't stop it, I'll smack you with a trout right in your face, you fucking gob. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Kind of sounds like the leprechaun from The Simpsons. A little bit, yeah. So I'm not. I'm not doing that so well. But yeah, like he's lived this sheltered life, and you know, I I, I kind of brought this uh, similar, um, the similar uh, 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 aspect of 
you know, uh, uh, puberty and, and growing into a, a, a young man, like if you're, if you're, you know, uh, societal and, and, um, social interactions with your peers, uh, have been severely stunted, you know, you're going to end up like Anakin Skywalker. I said, that's part of the reason why Anakin Skywalker snapped and became Darth Vader's because, you know, he never really was allowed to express himself and, and exhibit his feelings. And when he, finally, your feelings. when he finally gets the opportunity, like people are like, nope, that's wrong. Don't do that. You can't have those feelings. You can't act that way. And you know, Billy is very similar in that regard where, you know, the, the nun will not allow him, like even as a child to cope with trauma, her, her, uh, her method is to just whack him with a belt and even if he didn't do something wrong, he's doing what he was instructed to do by someone else, another adult authority figure. She's like, yeah, she told me I could leave my room. Well, uh, I'm still going to beat you for it. So, you know, even though you were doing what you were told, I don't care. You're still in trouble. So he has this warped sense of morality and he doesn't understand, you know, like like he understands but doesn't really get, he can't really comprehend how authority works because... He's never been treated well. And we even see this at his job by his coworker, the dude that's, you know, now trying to have sex with the girl that he likes. Right. And seeing certain things trigger something in his his psyche, this this, you know, part of PTSD. his PTSD. Ultimately, yes. And he just he snaps. He I don't think he even realizes what he's doing because he has a very limited vocabulary at that point. And all he wants to do is punish those who are doing something wrong. So obviously, initially, he goes after the scumbag coworker who is trying to, you know, have his way with the girl that Billy is sweet on. And the girl keeps telling him no, and he rips his right. sh- rips her shirt open. Right. So you know, he kills the scumbag, and then in turn, you know, turns on the girl that he's sweet on uh, because she, you know, starts calling him crazy and slaps him. You know, yeah, yeah, and and you know, he views that as you know punishable behavior. And the last time he knew any, the first time he learned about sex, it you know was was watching the nun was watching and, the nun and right. the, the other the mother superior is like that's naughty what you he did was naughty so like that's what he kept saying to people he's like naughty punish because a he's drunk and b he's just in a rage so and we see exactly how strong billy's rage is because he's able to lift the scumbag guy up with one hand and Christmas lights. And Chris, like he lifts him up, wraps Christmas lights around his neck, and kind of hangs him. Very festive. It is very festive, uh, and he just kind of hangs him, holds him up in the air with one hand, and hangs Here, him. Here, let's and hang then he out. Guts the girl with a box cutter. Like he's very incredibly strong. Like this is one of the things that he has in common with a lot of these slashers. He's almost supernaturally strong, because we see him later on, like just breaking into people's houses, and he sees. Linnea Quigley getting it on with her boyfriend on a, a pool table. And I was like, that is the worst way to play pool. They clearly don't know how to play. And I'm like, I don't think that's regulation. And he ends up picking her up and impaling her on a, a, a deer trophy, like the head of a deer on the antlers. He just kind of shoves her straight onto it as the, the things poke through her stomach. Which is definitely one of the coolest kill scenes of the film. Yeah, because he kills everybody at the at the toy store. After he kills, so he, he hangs the guy with the Christmas lights, strangles him, hangs him up in the air, guts the girl 
from navel to sternum, just like with a box cutter. Kills the store owner. With a hammer. Bashes his head in. Yeah, and then kills the, uh, was she like the assistant or something? Like the assistant manager yeah. or whatever. Uh, shows off his archery skills, which apparently he learned in the orphanage, because he fires a perfect shot through her spine. After she, there's a little bit of cat and mouse stuff, you know, as he's chasing her around in the store. Fires a perfect shot through her spine, and he leaves, takes off, and like, a minute later, the other nun shows up, like the one that was nice to him and just like finds dead people everywhere. And she's like, ooh, this party's dead. Uh, she didn't say that, but it would have been would have awesome been if great she if did. she did. Yeah. Ooh, who's the life of the party? Certainly not you, Arrow Through the Spine. Right. And so then he goes into this house. He finds Denise and Tommy. He... Linnea Quigley's character and her boyfriend. Yes. You know, Tells Linnea Quigley to just hang out for a little bit. Yep. And puts her on. Hang around. Oh, dear. Yeah, puts her on the antlers, which, again, is probably one of the coolest kill scenes of this film. And then goes after Tommy. Grabs him and whips him out a fucking window. And then we see the little girl. So Denise was babysitting this little girl. Her boyfriend was over. They were, you know, doing things they weren't supposed to be doing while she was babysitting. They were playing billiards. And uh, London rules. (laughs) I don't know if that's a thing. And the little girl comes out and sees Billy. But she doesn't see him as Billy. She sees Santa. And she's asking, like, are you Santa? Like, I'm so excited that you're here. And Billy, as Santa, asks her if she's been naughty or nice. As he's gripping the box cutter, like, right. waiting for a reason to murder this child. And and she says, you know, I've been nice. I've been a good girl. I've been a good girl. And he's like, are you sure? You've, you've never done girl? anything naughty. Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm I'm been so nice. I'm a good girl. So he gives the child the box cutter. The bloody box cutter. Because nothing says Merry Christmas like giving a child a bloody box cutter. Yeah, use this to open your other presents. That's what I would do if someone's like, here's a box cutter. Oh, well, I can open, I can cut through this wrapping paper much, much easier now. And then he, he goes on his way. And the cops finally, you know, the nun goes to the police and says, hey, there's this kid. This is what's going on. He's dressed as Santa. And so the cops find somebody breaking into the second story of a house dressed as Santa. So they run in the house. They kick the door and they run up the stairs. and Like, freeze, scumbag. And it turns out it's the little girls uh, who lives at the house. It's her dad sneaking in to, you know. Play Santa like a good dad. Yeah. And they're like, oh, gee. So then they go to, they're like, oh, watch out. Like, he's going to show up at the orphanage because that's where all the trauma began. And he's going to go after the mother superior. And they go and they, uh, one cop sees him and he, he sees Santa walking into the, into the orphanage he's like freeze freeze you son of a bitch and like shoots him in the back a bunch of times in front of all the children and they're like oh no he killed santa like all right come on Bet those children aren't gonna get therapy either nope then the the mother superior is like oh bring me my harmonica we're gonna sing some songs you know and while we wait for billy to show up and try to murder me and they're like the cop, you know, felt bad because it wasn't Billy. It was the guy that normally came to the orphanage to play Santa. But they're like, well, we told him to turn around and freeze and everything. And the, the other nun, the nice nun, is like, 
He's deaf. He's deaf. <laughs> he couldn't hear you. It's like, oh. And he's like, I, I did everything I was supposed to. And then, so the cop that kills the deaf Santa himself is killed. And then Billy shows up at the orphanage and the mother superior is sitting there and she's just wait to hold it wait to hold it wait to hold it you skipped a whole ever. part which contains one of my favorite kill scenes all right well go ahead of this film it's billy walking through the woods he sees these kids they're sledding they're having a great time he just immediately assumes that they're naughty and takes one of the kids out by decapitating him as he's sledding down the hill. So when he reaches the bottom of his hill, you know, the friend's like, oh, yay, come on, come on. And, and you know, hears his friend coming, sees the sled coming, and then realizes that it's just the body without the head. And then, like, a few seconds later, you see the head coming after. And it's just so cool. I Like, I, I love that. I think that's so it well is, done. It is, because the, the guys were naughty. Like, it's they beat up awesome. the two kids who actually had the sleds right punched the shit out of them made them leave and they're like we're gonna sled now yeah woo sledding because sledding's so awesome we'll show you how badass we are so finally billy confronts what's her name the uh, mother superior and she's like there's no such thing as santa claus and he's like naughty and like all the kids are there and she's like there's no such thing as santa like yelling at you know yelling at Santa, even though the kids already saw Santa get shot like six fucking times, so these kids are rightly confused, and so he shows up and he's you know they're they're saying what the hell were they singing like deck the halls or some shit yeah they were some singing Christmas now something. children just sit right here and wait for death we'll sing some Christmas songs you know kind of like. Uh, the crew of the, the the band on the Titanic playing "Nearer Our God to Thee" or whatever the hell the song was as the ship sank, like that's what they were playing. Um, just playing music, waiting for death. Oh, I'd love to have some little ambient uh, atmosphere here. You know, play a little song. You know, just ja la 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 la. Have a, a little fun time while we wait for our doom. We're, we're going to, you know, it's, it's going to be a terrible, awful thing as we go to the uh, unrelenting splendor of heaven, boys and girls. But then that's not even the most traumatic part because, you know, the police come and they shoot Billy and they kill Billy in front of these kids. So they not only saw one Santa go down, but they saw two Santas go down. And I guarantee that none of these children are receiving the therapy that they deserve. Especially not where, as Billy dies, he drops his axe and the head of the axe falls at the feet of Ricky. Little Ricky. And Ricky... Looks at the axe, looks at his dead brother, looks, looks over at mother, at the mother superior, superior and says, naughty. Which is great because if you know the series, you know that this sets up the rest of the franchise. So we do see Billy in flashbacks in the second Silent Night, Deadly Night. But that's the last time we see him. He's, I, I don't remember because I haven't seen all of these films. So I don't know if he's I haven't referenced. Seen any of them. In some of the like later versions, uh, like the later uh, parts of these films, but uh, he's definitely referenced, and you see the flashbacks in the second one. But but that's it. That's that's the end of of Billy Chapman. And what's crazy is that this film was uh, when it was released, it was received with such criticism, and the uh, movie heads 
the producers, directors, and what have you, thought that the criticism would come in the way of the, you know, Catholic Church not too happy with the way that the nuns were uh, were portrayed in this film, and they thought it would be more of like a religious backlash. But instead, it was all of these like parents who were pissed that Santa Claus was being portrayed in this way. And it's like, it's not even Santa. It's just a guy in a Santa suit. But, you know, there were, there were, were protests outside of the film to, you know, um, different showing, uh, showings of the film. And ultimately they took it out of theaters. Uh, like, um, yeah, it was, it was, wasn't in there too long due to the protests because parents were outraged. Right. Oh, and like promoters pulled their ads and stuff from the film as well. Yeah, and, so it, it got and buried. it just yeah it it was it was banned in some parts of the country. Like it was crazy, all because this this guy this person portrayed Santa, and again he wasn't even Santa. He was just dressed up in a Santa suit, you know, going around. They didn't want Santa to to be an axe murderer. Can you imagine if they had seen the Bill Goldberg version? Like, you know, if that had been out at that time, where he just goes around and murders everyone. But it's Bill Goldberg basically just playing Bill Goldberg. You know, at, I mean, he's dressed as Santa. I don't know. I'm unfamiliar with what you're talking about. It's a, it's, I haven't seen it, but it's like Santa loses a bet and has to, like, go murder a bunch of people. Like, instead of bringing them presents, he just starts killing people. And, like, suplexes them shit, does all his wrestling moves. I just thought it was interesting, but yeah, it was during that phase where like they'd have a bunch of wrestlers in movies all the time, you know, like when Kane was in See No Evil, like it was, it came out around the same time. Gotcha. Okay. Well, cause, cause nothing says Christmas like a bunch of wrestlers. Right. Well, if they're dressed as Santa, I mean like Mick Foley makes a hell of a Santa. He's very jolly though. He is. And he's got the the right shape and he's you know I think he's dressed as Santa a few times and had like hardcore matches and like Right, but then he has Mr. Sacco to be one of his elves. It's perfect. That's true. Uh, yeah, I, I thought this was uh fairly well done. Like it wasn't the, the same cheesy supernatural killer that you see all the time. But again, Billy did have that, you know, supernatural strength. But when they showed him, like, you know, as eighteen year old Billy, he was you know, pretty well built. Like he had some large biceps. You know, he was a big, strong kid. You know, o- well over six feet tall. He clearly ate his Wheaties at the orphanage. He drank milk all the time instead of drinking booze. He drank milk. Hey, you know what they say? Does the body good? Yeah. So Billy uh, had his body done good by milk, and uh, so he was able to <laughs> whip Linnea Quigley around a living room and impale her on some antlers. So. Yeah, I mean, I thought Billy was an interesting character, very tragic, because again... Well, again, it's one of those characters, one of these uh, slasher villains who, it's not his fault. I don't consider him the villain. Mother Superior is the villain of this film. Right. Because if they had just gotten this child the help that he needed, he wouldn't have done this. Like, you can't take away the fact that he watched Santa Claus murder his family, but if you just, like go to the child and explain to him, like, that wasn't the real Santa. The real Santa doesn't murder you, despite what your grandfather might have said. Because Santa isn't real. I mean, that's part of it, but even if they wanted to keep the mystique around Santa Claus, it's like, yes, Santa rewards you if you're good, but he doesn't murder you if you're bad. I know that's what you saw after that's what you were told, but that's not how it generally works. 
So I think that's a good point to uh, wrap things up for our discussion of Billy, unless you have anything else you want to add? Uh, nope. Okay. So I think we covered everything, because this was just the one film with Billy in it. I mean, other than some flashbacks and stuff. But, uh, yeah, if you've seen this movie and you enjoy it, or you don't enjoy it, let us know. Um, you know let us it's know a, your thoughts. It's fun. Like, I know this film gets a lot of uh, criticisms and, Not you as know, much as the next one, but... Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun series, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's your typical stupid 80s slasher flick that's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, especially for what it was, and it's a great Christmas treat. I feel bad for I feel bad for Billy, and I think uh, Mother Superior should have uh, gotten the axe, but that's me. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, wrap things up. What's up, UFOnauts? It's your UFO guy, Rob Christofferson. Have you ever been curious about the UFO phenomenon, but unsure of where to start? Have you ever wondered about just what crashed at Roswell? Have you ever wanted common sense advice about licking UFOs? The answers don't. Then check out the Our Strange Skies podcast, where we dive into America's rich UFO history and uncover what these sightings say about ourselves. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and most podcast apps, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to look up, because you never know what you'll find in Our Strange Skies. In Grey We Trust. Uh, I don't want to impose, and it's perfectly fine if you don't want to, but if you would mind doing a promo for oh, us. fuck no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Holliston, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. And we are back. That, of course, being the Jackson 5 singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I thought that was a, kind of a fun and appropriate uh, change of pace for uh, this particular episode. And uh, we're going to have a little, because we love to uh, promote their music, we're going to have a little ditty from uh, Ice Nine Kills at the end of this. So um, I hope you enjoy that as well. So... Um, I really do hope you enjoyed that discussion about Billy and uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. And if you haven't seen it, do check it out. It's definitely worth it. But uh, we have other stuff to discuss. Ashes, what do we got going on right now? So uh, right now, we have a new battle to throw down. And if we have a new battle to throw down, that means we throw down the battle theme. So this week, our battle is called Bashing Through the Snow in a One-Horse Open Sleigh. The Battle of the Santas. Obviously, it's to the death. Which Santa will reign supreme? We have Billy Chapman, 
from Silent Night, Deadly Night versus Scott Calvin, that is Tim Allen in the Santa Claus movies, versus Robot Santa Claus from Futurama versus Santa from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, we're not talking about Jack Skellington as Santa. We're talking about the kidnap the Sandy Claus Santa. Yes, the actual Santa. Santa. Yeah. Yes. So... Let us know what you think. Uh, we'll be posting the polls, obviously, in uh, various social media platforms. So whichever one is your personal uh, favorite. Or if you want to vote multiple times, please do. We count up all those votes. So, uh, Ashes, what do we got coming up? So next week, we have a super fun episode coming up for you guys. It is the end of the year. And in typical fashion, we are going to be giving our top 10 characters from 2019 lists. But that's not all. But that is not all, because not only is it the end of a year, but it is the end of a decade. So not only will we be giving you our top 10 characters from 2019, we will be giving you our top characters from the past 10 years. Yes, from 2010 through 2019. There is a lot of media out there, and there is a lot to cover. 10 years is a long time. There's 450 Marvel movies just in that span. Yeah. So... (laughs) Yeah. Not to mention uh, five Star Wars films. You got five Star Wars films, 23 uh, Marvel films, 23, 24, whatever the hell it is. Uh, all kinds of new Disney stuff. There's so much to cover. And a partridge in a pear tree. So, yes. And we want to hear from you guys. Definitely let us know on the social media. You can shoot us an email at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the website, throwdownthursdaypodcast.com. We want to know who are some of your top characters, not only from this year, but from the past decade. I think we're, if we, when we get uh, feedback from people, I think we're going to see a lot of Thanoses and Lokis and uh, maybe some Killmongers on there. I think we're going to be surprised by some some people's uh, lists and stuff. Oh, I'm, I think we will, but I think you know there's going to be a lot of overlap. I think with some I of these may characters. be surprised by my own list. I have to go back and take a look and find out yeah. what came out this past it's gonna be ten a, years. A really cool opportunity everything. to reflect and stuff. So definitely tune in next week, and if you're interested, let us know who are your top characters from 2019 and the past decade. Yeah, of course we'll be posting this on social media so you can reply and. Uh, before we go, I want to uh, shout out a huge congratulatory uh, milestone message to our good buddy El Goro over at the Talk Without Rhythm podcast, who is, uh, uh, as of the time of this recording, he's about to release his 500th episode. And, uh, you know, for me, El Goro is one of the guys who kind of inspired me to do this on one of my first podcasts ever and i i bring the story up all the time any anytime someone is looking to do a new venture whether it's writing or art or or podcasting uh, i always bring up the advice that he gave to me on my second ever podcast with him and mars and wolfie and and wiley and steven scarlatta i'm like you know what i'm so far out of my league like this like i don't even know where to begin and he said you know what he goes there's a million people that do what we do but no one else has your voice. No one else is going to say what you say. No one else thinks your thoughts. So even though you might be new to it, you know, you're still bringing something of value because it's something that someone else isn't going to come up with because they're not you. And I've carried that advice with me for the past six, seven years. 
you know, since uh, long before Throwdown Thursday was a thing. So uh, thank you, El Goro, and uh, congratulations on your, your milestone, and uh, here's to the next 500. And I think with that being said, we, we will, will see you next Thursday. Thursday. Enjoy Ice Nine Kills.